This morning, I would like to title my sermon as, Can a Blessing Become a Curse? Can a Blessing Become a Curse? So we are going to base our sermon on 1 Samuel chapter 5. And before that, I want to give a a little introduction to chapter 5. It was those days... Those days were the early ministry days of Samuel the prophet. The hand of the Lord was so heavy upon Samuel that he was asked to prophesy to Eli, the priest, the high priest and the judge of Israel. And Samuel was so afraid, but Eli asked Samuel, just tell me what the Lord spoke to you. And Samuel spoke to Eli concerning what God spoke about him and his family and the children of Israel. As I said, during those days, the hand of the Lord was against the children of Israel. Philistines came and fought against the children of Israel and they won. They took the victory. The ark of the Lord was captured by the Philistines. And they also killed Eli's two children, two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They were killed in that war. Now when Eli, he was a very matured old man, ruled the nation for 40 long years, judged Israel for 40 long years, and he was sitting in a chair. And the moment he heard that the the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines, Bible says, Eli fell off the seat backward at the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died because the man was very heavy and he was very old. Eli died. And he lost two of his children. And he lost the, the, the covenant or the, 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 what is that called? It's called the Ark of the Covenant or Ark of God. So we read that in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Now if you come to 1 Samuel chapter 5, in fact we are going to read the entire chapter. It's not a very long chapter. So we'll be able to read 1 Samuel chapter 5. I want you to follow with me as we read. Then the Philistines took the Ark of the God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. Verse 4, and when they arose early next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left on it. Verse 5, therefore neither the priests of Dagon nor any who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. Verse 7, and when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is harsh toward us, and Dagon our God. Verse 8, therefore they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines, and said, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of God of Israel be carried away to Gath. 
So they carried the ark of God of Israel away. So it was after they had carried it away that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and, and tumors broke out on them. Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ikron. So it was as the ark of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out saying they have brought the ark of God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said send away the ark of God of Israel and let it go back to its own people so that it, it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who did not die were stricken with tumors. And the cry of the city went up to heaven. In a story that we don't like to read often <coughs> from the book of the law. But this morning I believe that God will speak to us from 1 Samuel chapter 5. Philistines bought the ark of the Lord from Ebenezer to Ashtoth. They brought it in the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. If you know a little bit of history, Dagon was the fish god of the Philistines. The upper part of Dagon was a man or a woman, and the lower part of the idol was carved like a fish mermaid. Dagon was just a merman or a mermaid. Joy was talking about buying those ties and giving it to the children's hands. You're literally giving the idol into their hands. And ask them to play with that idol. And how dangerous it is. So that's how Dagon looked like. He was a fish on top. And he was fish at the bottom and the upper part was a man or woman. And he was set as a god. You know what happened when they set up the Ark of the, Ark of the Covenant in the temple of Dagon? Bible says Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. Dagon could not stand the ark of the Lord. And God, not only that, God struck the people of Ashtod with tumor. Ark of God was sent to again Ekron and all the Ekronites were struck with tumor. The severe punishment of God coming upon the land. From the incidents that are taking place in 1 Samuel 5, we are going to understand the dual nature of God. I want you to listen to me this morning. The dual nature of God and his presence that can cause either blessing or curse. And also we are going to understand God's presence that is supposed to be, supposed to bring blessing. Can it bring curse to us? These are, these are a couple of questions that we are going to get answered by the end of the sermon. Let's get started. Number one, why did God's wrath come upon the Ashtodites and the Kronites? Why that happened? Simply because they brought the presence of God. Ark of the Covenant is nothing but the presence of the living God. They brought the Ark of the Covenant or the presence of the living God into the temple, into the pagan temple and set God's presence next to an idol. They sit, how dare they were, they sit God's presence next to an idol. I don't know what was the intention behind, behind this setting up this idol and the presence of the living God. The Philistines, probably they realized the Ark of the Covenant was the reason for the victory of the children of Israel. Once we capture the Ark, they are not going to win anymore. And we can win in all the wars that we are going to fight. 
And probably, you know, Philistines also realized the inability or the powerlessness of Dagon. It's just a statue standing there. It doesn't have any power by itself. And probably Philistines would have realized that and they brought it, the presence of God into the temple of Dagon. But you know what? By doing that, they really did some mistakes there. They captured the ark and they brought it to the temple of Dagon. They expected the ark to bring forth blessings. Probably that was the expectation of the Philistines. Now let's talk a little bit about what is Ark of the Covenant. We need to know this as a student of the word of God. We need to know what is Ark of the Covenant. You know what God commanded Moses to make the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of God when they were living in the wilderness. Then they were, when they were worshiping in the tabernacle of the Lord, Ark of the Covenant was a very important article inside the tabernacle. It was made of wood by name Acacia. So it is a basically a wooden chest made of acacia wood according to the dimension specification given by the Lord to Moses. And not only that, inside and outside it was overlaid with pure gold. And God also said you need to have four rings of gold. And God asked Moses to make poles of acacia wood with overlaid with gold again. So that when the pole is put through the rings, they will be able to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And God also made, asked Moses to make mercy seat. And he also made two cherubim. And two cherubim were standing before the mercy seat and covering the mercy seat. Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. You know, in the olden days, when children of Israel were gathering in the tabernacle, the tabernacle was filled with the glory of God. The presence of the living God. And they were even worshipped. At times they couldn't even worship the Lord. Because the presence of God was so thick and so rich there inside the tabernacle. Now what is there inside the Ark of the Covenant? There are three things if you know. Number one. The written tablets. Where the law is written. And number two. The, 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 the uh, Aaron's rod that is budded. And number three. In a gold pot, manna is kept. Remember, children of Israel had manna. They, they were asked to keep some manna so that so they can show to their children in the future. You know, that's how God fed us in the wilderness. So there were three things which are kept inside the Ark of the Covenant. Now, Ark of the Covenant, as I said, it carries the presence of the living God. And do you think that Ark can walk by itself? No, it has to be carried by people. So true today. God's presence cannot just go here and there. It has to be carried by you and me. That's why you and I are needed in the kingdom of God. God's presence cannot just go and dwell in some places. No, you need to be there in the, in the, to carry the presence of God. It is so true as children of Israel doing in the wilderness. And the glory of God is protected by the cherubim. And there is a need for protection of the glory of God. You know, it's so true even in today. The glory that God has given inside of us need to be protected, need to be covered, need to be covered. So Ark of the Covenant is, represents the presence of the living God. And this morning I just want to take a little bit further and want to talk a little bit about the presence of God and the power of God. You know, often I mess up there. We all get you know, confused at times. We try to differentiate between the, what is presence of God and what is the power of God. Now listen to this. For the Philistines, the Ark of the Covenant just appeared to be an object. They had no clue about it. They, all that they know is this is a box. 
need to be carried by people of God. And that's all they know. It's a wooden chest. It contained law return and some, in, in the stone tablets and the manna and the Aaron's, Aaron's buttered rod. But the glory of God, the presence of God rested in the Ark of the Covenant in the mercy seat. And that was not seen by anybody. Was it seen by anybody? That was not seen by anybody. But when Dagon fell down and broken his head and broken his hands, everyone came and saw the broken Dagon falling on the ground. Poor fellow. Helpless. Totally helpless. The presence of God couldn't, you know, he couldn't handle the presence of God. They had fallen on the ground and broken totally. And the presence of God was not seen by anybody. But listen to me. What people saw was the power of God. Amen. The presence of God is something that we cannot see. But what we can see or feel is the power of God. In our times we say that and I feel the presence of God. But really not the presence of God. What you feel is the power of God. Is the power of God. Amen. God's presence is intangible. That means you cannot touch you cannot feel the presence of God, but his power is tangible, his power is touchable, and the power can be felt by you in your body. When we worship the Lord, what we feel is the power of God, but the presence of the Lord is very, very intangible. And God's presence, Bible says, it is an abiding presence. And the presence of God comes inside of you the moment you receive Christ as your Savior. The moment you accept Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit comes inside of you. It's an abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. You don't see any signs. You don't see anybody speaking in tongues. They just receive Christ. Millions and millions of people, they receive Jesus when they believe in him, when they trust in him. The presence of the living God is an abiding presence. But God's power is known as dynamis in Greek. Can you say dynamis? Dynamis in Greek. It is dynamite in English. You know, that is the power of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 talks about you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Spirit of God comes inside of us. But when we are filled with the power of God, when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, the power of God, as Acts 1 8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Spirit of God comes upon our lives to anoint us so that we will be used by God. The anointing of the Lord comes upon our lives for service. Earlier days, kings and priests were anointed by oil for what? To serve. To serve the nation. And today if God is anointing us, there is only one reason why God, God is anointing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Is to serve him. Not to keep the power of God within us, but to serve the Lord. So there is a difference between the presence of God and the power of God. Presence of God is like electricity. You don't see the electricity. But the electricity is capable of lighting, heating, and you feel the heat. You feel the light. That is the power of God. You know, the presence of the living God was in the Ark of the Covenant. That's the reason Dagon could not stand. And he was pushed down by the power of God. And that was seen and felt. Even today, God works in the same way. Even today, God works in the same way. Now, we are going to talk about the very important aspect of this chapter. The dual or the twofold or the double nature of our God. Are you with me this morning? Amen? Are you okay? Right, so the dual or the twofold or the double nature of our God. 
Listen to me, on one hand, God is a compassionate God. But on the other hand, he's a consuming fire. On one hand, Jesus came to seek the lost. But Bible says he, the same Jesus, is going to come back to this world as a righteous judge. Jesus came to give his life for us. But Jesus, Bible says, Jesus is going to come back to this world to take vengeance on those who reject Jesus. You know, Christ is going to come back to this world because he has to take vengeance on those who reject Jesus Christ. If somebody says, I don't want this Christ, I don't want to follow Jesus, you know, the vengeance of the Lord is going to come upon their lives. That's the reason we need Jesus. That's the reason we need to follow Jesus. We are talking about the dual nature of God. It is the same God that we have seen in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. He has dual nature. He has two faces. Yesterday, Joy mentioned during the time of worship, God has two faces. One face is very compassionate. You have seen a picture of Jesus with a, carrying a lamb in his hand. Very compassionate. But that's not the same Jesus we are going to see again when he comes back to this world. The dual nature of Lord God. I want to throw a little more light on this. Think about it. The same cloud that brought light to the Israelites brought darkness among the Egyptians. We read that in Exodus chapter 14 verse 20. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one. And it gave light by night to the other. So that the one did not come near the other all that night. Same cloud appeared to be light for one and appeared to be darkness for the other. Amen. Let's continue. The same face of the Lord. Bible says the same face of the Lord which is in favor of the righteous is against the wicked. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Same eyes, same ears, same face. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We are talking about the dual nature of our God. Number three, the same Ark of the Covenant brought blessing to many people. We read that in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 11, the Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom because the Ark of the Covenant was in his house. I want you to listen to me. But the Ark of the Covenant... You also know that it went, into the, it went before the army of children of Israel as they were marching around the walls of Jericho. God gave victory. Moses told the priests to lead the Ark of the Covenant before the army as they were fighting against the Midianites. We talked about it a couple of weeks before. Later Saul brought the Ark of the Covenant into the, into the army. David did the same thing. Everywhere they found victory. We are talking about the twofold nature of God. But the same Ark of the Covenant that brought blessings to many. Now when the same Ark of the Covenant is brought to the camp of Israelites. They were stricken by tumor. The question is why? The question is why? Now we know that he is an unchanging God. But is this the way he functions? Why? 
that leads us to a quest, ask a question. Can blessing become a curse? We thought Ark of the Covenant is a blessing. Can it become a curse? You know, many times we ask this question in our lives. Why am I not blessed? Why am I not blessed? Why things are not happening in my life? Why things are getting delayed in my life? I'm a child of God. I believe in God. I'm a Christian boy or girl, you know, born in a Christian setup. I go to church, not like others. I follow the Lord. Why things are not happening in my life? And I believe this morning God may answer our questions. You know, having the ark of God is a blessing, certainly. But it depends on where the ark is. It depends on where the ark is. If the ark is not in the right place, the blessings can turn to be a curse. Now, I don't want to talk anything negative, but I want to talk the scripture. Ark of the covenant need to be in the right place in our lives. And when it is not in the right place, the blessings can be turned to curses. And as we know, our God is the same God. He doesn't change, but the same God is the God of compassion. And he is the God of vengeance. The same God, or the same cloud that appeared to be light and dark. The same face of God that is in favor of somebody, but the same eyes is in favor, he is against some people. The same mark of the Lord can either bring blessing or curse. It all depends on people. It, not, it doesn't depend on God, it depends on us. It depends on the recipients of God's presence. Even the blessings can be turned into curses. Listen to me this morning. What happened among the Gentiles now? We saw among the Philistines. God brought the curse of tumor among the Gentiles. Cancers. God brought the deadly sickness among the Gentiles. When the presence of God is brought into the temple of the idol. And that made me think. I believe it makes you to think too. Among the Gentiles, they could not handle the presence of God. It needs a godly man there. It needs a godly woman there to deal with the presence of God. What about among the people of God? Listen to me. This is very, 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 you know, very you know, worrisome actually. What about among the people of God? When the high priest of Eli lost his children, Hophni and Phinehas, because they did wicked thing in the sight of God. And Bible says, Eli did not warn their children. Eli did not correct their children. It is important to correct our children when they go wrong. Bible says, you need to bring up a child in a godly way. If you do that, he will not depart from it, even when he has become old. You know, we, there's a great threat for us today. At any moment, our children can walk away. Not just walking away from God. They will mess up their life into the world. If you don't bring your child in the right way, you have all the authority to instruct and to correct. And I would often say that as parents, we need to correct your children before, correct your children before somebody else does. We need to take care of our children. And what happened? Um, we're talking about, you know, God, the, the blessing turning into a curse. Among the children of God, when Eli did not warn them and correct them, the ark of the Lord was captured. And children of God was de defeated. They were defeated for the Philistines. The presence of God that's supposed to bring blessing, it brought death to Eli 
and to his children. You know, today, it's not happening to me, it's not happening to us because we are covered under grace. If it would have been the times of, his, uh, times of Samuel or Eli, the death would have come right away in our lives, but it's not happening to you and me just only because we are under grace. God is not punishing us with tumor. God is not throwing sicknesses over our lives. But if you are not worthy, the blessings won't stay. The blessings won't stay. Philistines thought that they can bring the presence of God and put it in their temple, but then it did not work. It's the same presence of God in the wrong place. They couldn't hold the presence of God because their lives were not capable of handling the presence of God. We need to be worthy, really worthy, to receive all the blessings of God, the favor of God, the wealth, the health, the love, and the abundance. We need to be worthy to receive all the blessings. I believe this morning God speaks to us finally what really went wrong with Ashdodites and Ekronites. What was really wrong? What really went wrong? If you go deep little further, I want to read three sections of the scriptures before and we close. They challenge or they change, pardon me, they change the glory of the incorruptible God to a corruptible image. Let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. We are going to read a couple of scriptures from there. Romans chapter 1, um, verse 18 to 23. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Listen to me. For the wrath of God is, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. You know, when you suppress the truth, we don't tell the truth that the wrath of God appears. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Even if gospel is not reached to some part of the globe, still they are responsible. Because Bible says, his invisible attributes are clearly seen by everybody, being understood by the things that God already made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They can't. Nobody can say excuse that I never heard about Jesus, because God has already made everything clear. Romans 121, because although they knew God, this is very important, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools, and listen to this, 23, and change the glory of the incorruptible God. Change the glory of the eternal God into an image made like corruptible. That's the reason we say do not keep any objects at home. Don't try to visualize God in the form of Mary or in the form of any other saints. It is wrong because we'll be under the subjection of the wrath of God. That's what Bible says. Because they change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. God cannot be contained in an image that looks like man. I don't want to even hang a photo of Jesus Christ in my home. We are not trying to contain our God into an image of a man. And birds. 
and four-footed animals and creeping things. These are the things that are worshipped by pagans. Not by children of God. Not by children of God. That was the mistake the Ashtadites were doing. They brought the presence of God and they put that in the temple of Dagon and they tried to imagine that he is God. They tried to convert the glory of God into the form of a man or an image. You know, God does not give his glory to an idol. God is very particular. You want to read the scriptures from Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8. Isaiah 42 8, God says, I am the Lord. Can you read that with me? I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. No way, not at all. God will stand for it. God will fight for it. God will take vengeance against those who try to do this. And God says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory. I will not give to another. I will not give to anybody on the face of this. If somebody is somebody is, you know, somebody is advancing them, promoting them, saying that God is with me. I am so powerful. God can do anything through me. You know, don't believe that. Just don't believe that because God doesn't give his glory to any man. He takes the honor. He takes the honor. And now my praise to carved images. That was the mistake they did. That was the mistake. They also did something that is very, 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 very dangerous. Keeping the glory of God along with an idol is an abomination to the Lord. We read that from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14. Two, eighteen. Let's go there quickly. Second Corinthians, chapter six, verse fourteen to eighteen. We are talking about the mistakes that Ashdodites did, so that there was a great tumor and destruction upon the land. Reading from Second Corinthians, chapter six, verses fourteen to eighteen. Listen to me. We are talking about keeping the glory of God, along with an idol, is an abomination. To the Lord, verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Dagon is darkness and the presence of the living God, the ark of the covenant is light. How can we put those together? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? It's important that we need to look at everybody and smile at everybody and love everybody, but we don't have fellowship with them. The moment you have fellowship, start fellowshipping with an unbeliever. You walk away from the Lord without your knowledge. Your prayer life will go down. Your spiritual life is affected. Do not have fellowship with unbelievers. Love them the core and do anything if they want to your support your help but don't have fellowship you know what i'm talking about fellowship means the way we have fellowship right now the way we have a meal during our potluck service the way we visit our houses and you know talk about god and pray together and get out of the houses bible is very clear let's not dilute the word of god there but we need to love everybody don't hate anybody we need everybody because Jesus Christ died for them too. Amen? And when and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
And God says, therefore, come out from among them. You know, if there is somebody, somebody is having an idol in the worship place, better get away from that place. Do not compromise. They may have anointing of the Holy Spirit. They may speak in tongues. They may prophesy. There may be miracles. Everything is fine. But God's word says, keep away. God doesn't give his glory to an idol. Idol. Therefore, come out from them, among them, and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be your father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That was the mistake of Ashdodites. They brought the presence of God, and Bible says in Samuel chapter 5, they set it by the Dagon. Very close. They thought it just one and the same. They just thought one and the same. And word of God is very clear. Do not mix up the glory of God with an idol or with the people. We carry the presence of God. We need to protect the presence of God within our lives. The glory that God has placed inside of us is very important. But when we mix God with an idol, when we mix God with sins of this world, listen to me, it becomes a curse on us. I want all of us to repent this morning. When we mix God with the sins of this world, it becomes a curse on us. And, <coughs> and when it comes, we can't handle it. Let us walk in the fear of God. Not really to fulfill the desires of our flesh, but keeping ourselves holy and pure. It is possible the blessings can become curses. If you wrongly place the presence of God in the wrong life, that's the reason we say, just don't pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit for somebody. We don't want to put them in judgment. We don't want to throw God's curse on them. Just pray with them, make sure their life is good. It's all important. It's all important. And I believe this morning God is, God is speaking to us. Can we all stand for a moment?